Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. We're starting a brand new series called I Am. Everybody say, I Am. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about really who Jesus said he was. And I'm honestly so excited because we're going to be really looking at the life of Jesus and um, so many of the statements that he made about himself. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, culture out there. There's a lot of movies and a lot of books and a lot of places you can figure out, try to, a bunch of people have an idea of who Jesus was. And I'm just really our job today and this week and, and really for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about really who Jesus said that he was. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter six, John chapter six. My name's Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here. So happy that you're here on behalf of my wife, Erica, and I, my entire family, and all of our church staff. We're just so excited that you are here today, and we're just honored that you took some time out. It's a little cold out there today. Uh, it's not Texas weather. I didn't move to Texas for this weather. Anybody else with me, right? It's like it's supposed to be warm, and so we, we, we want it. So we're just going to pray that, you know, the sun would come out, and uh, I heard it's going to get even colder uh, from today, and so if that was bad news for you, I'm sorry. Hopefully it'll get better from here on out, and so, uh, hey, if you're a guest with us for the very first time, so honored that you're here. We always encourage you to come at least three times. I'm not sure if you ever heard that before, but hey, sometimes I could be speaking and maybe I just had a bad day. Maybe I didn't sleep right. I, just, I was just off in the message. Something happened. Maybe you didn't get the right kind of coffee. The coffee wasn't warm enough. And hey, give us another chance. We always say give us at least three chances. And then I'll give you an opportunity to see if this church is really the place for you. And so uh, we pray that it is, but hey, we also want to help you find one if you don't. And so uh, we're just so happy that you're here. Uh, we also want to welcome all those listening on our podcast. We have so many people uh, listening digitally. So if you're listening right now on the treadmill or on your way to work, hello, and we love you. And so John chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Before we do that, I want to give you some context to kind of what's going on. Uh, the Bible is an interesting book. It's not one book that's linear in terms of, you know, it starts from the beginning and then it kind of ends. It kind of does that from the beginning book and the end book, but all the books in between, they're different time periods and different types of books. And, and I always like to share context to really what this book is, because I don't know if you've ever gone to a church before and the pastor just started reading out of the Bible and it was a translation you didn't understand. And it was like in a context you didn't understand. And you're like, and he's speaking that weird kind of language that has a uh, at the end of everything. Like, we loveth you with very mucheth, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. And so uh, we just, our desire is that you uh, read this book, and it makes sense, and that you hear something today, and it makes sense. And so uh, John is what we call a gospel. It's a life of Jesus. There's four gospels, four stories of the life of Jesus inside of the Bible, and in specifically in the New Testament. So it's Bible splitting up in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament starts off with the four uh, books of uh, the four gospels of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to be in John's gospel today. And in John's gospel at this time, particular time, Jesus has already started his ministry. So if you don't know anything about Jesus, Jesus lived 33 years. He had a three-year ministry. So he started when he was 30 and in 33 years. And in this part of John, he's already started his ministry. So he's healed people. He's, uh, he's, he's uh, done incredible miracles. And we're going to talk about it, one specific miracle that he did, but um, he, he's walked around. His ministry has started, okay? Jesus is famous at this point. And in this particular part of the, uh, of the gospel of John, he had already done an amazing miracle. And really it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. Has anybody heard of that, that miracle before the feeding of the 5,000 where he, he kind of takes the boys, little boys lunchbox and he multiplies it and he feeds 5,000. And what you and I don't know is, and sometimes, sometimes we re, re, we state this not in the right way, but feeding of the 5,000, that was just men. So most scholars believe that it was between 20 and 25,000 with women and children. And if you're anything like my family, I have five boys. That's a lot of kids. So there was a lot of, you know, probably we need a lot of fish and a lot of bread and 
He had to do a lot. And so it's an amazing miracle. He just does that miracle. He crosses the sea. They follow him and we pick it up in John chapter 6, verse 25. And it says this, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you. So which every time you ever see a very truly saying, look, like, let me give it to you straight. All right. That's kind of like Jesus language. Let me give it to you straight. You're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He said, do not work for food that's spoiled, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who was sent. That's important. And so they asked him, what sign will you give that we may give it to, uh, that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. It is, it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who given you the bread of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread of heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And verse 34 says, sir, they said, always give us this bread. We want it all the time. And he said, then Jesus declared, I am. He goes, you missed it. Have you ever talked to your kids, if you're a parent in here, and then you went out of your way to tell them something and then they like, They said something to you and you're like, you missed it. You missed it. You missed everything I just said. You're you're confused. Let me help you and clarify in the most simplest terms. And he gets to his first I am statement. This is the first of seven I am statements that he makes inside of scripture. And he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Isn't that good? Like just Jesus goes on to say, like, listen, you're looking for something, but, but it's, it's me. It's Jesus. If you just come to me, you'll never go hungry and you'll never go thirsty. With that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we, God, we love you, God. Thank you that you, you're here today. God, we honor you. We're so excited. Thank you for the, 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 the worship that we experienced today, the music we were able to sing and the songs that we sang to you, God. It was a great moment in where we were feeling your presence. And Holy Spirit, I just pray today, God, you would take the words that I've created, Lord, and you would just do something uh, and, and transform them so that they could go deep into the hearts of us, that we can leave out of here different, changed, uh, better, improved, and really maybe a better perspective on who you said, who Jesus said he was in that wonderful name, Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Um, how many of y'all would say that you like food in here? Raise your hand. Come on. Like if you're unashamed about it, come on, somebody, you're my people. <laughs> all right. I love, I love food. I love all kinds of food. Um, but I am particular. I'm not a big fan of certain types of food. You know, I, I remember I'm from the Bay area, San Jose and, and in the Bay area, there's not, there's a lot of different types of culture. And I remember one time I got to eat African food, like not like, like straight African food in a African restaurant. And we sat down and it was on the ground and it was like in a big bowl and then we all kind of shared on it and it wasn't that good. I just didn't like it that much. It was kind of odd. And, uh, but, but there's not a lot of food that I, I don't like um, because I just honestly, I genuinely enjoy it. I'm Mexican and Native American and not many celebrations happened in my family without food, if y'all know what I'm saying, right? Like we just, we made up reasons to barbecue, you know? It's like people would need like, well, we only have fun and have parties when it's, you know, birthdays and stuff. We, we barbecued when it was Tuesday night and it was just, you know, there was sun was out and we were having food. We loved it. And, and, you know, I like the, uh, one, one thing I enjoy about, you know, America is that, you know, different 
depending on the parts of the country that you go to, you can have different kinds of food. You know, you go to the South, they have some of that good Southern hospitality. Come on, y'all like Southern cooking. Y'all, how many of y'all like Southern food? You know, with that, it's everything is deep fried and some, you can, listen, you deep fry anything, it's good, right? I mean, they just <laughs> proved that. And so uh, Southern food, you go to like the Midwest, you know, got some good, you know, Texas, uh, or Midwest barbecue. You got Texas, we have some good Texas barbecue down here. You know, there's some good Texas barbecue, some good food. You go to the East Coast, you got that East Coast deep. My mom and dad were just in Chicago and they took a picture of them eating that deep dish Chicago style pizza. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like you can eat one slice and it's it's good for you. You be you're good for a week, you know. And it's just that heavy. And uh, but I love you know I love food. But one of my favorite types of food, and I'm so happy I live in Texas because this is Mexican. And uh, and so I love it because you know have you ever you know what you my favorite thing about going to a Mexican restaurant is that you sit down and they they do something right off the bat that I think is incredible. They bring out, y'all know what I'm talking, y'all already know what I'm about to say, your, 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 your saliva is coming into your mouth right now, but they bring out chips and salsa. Come on, yeah, does that just bless you? Like, they don't even have to do, at this point, most Mexican restaurants, they start off right. Because like, it's, it, it, it's really, you, 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 you have a high opportunity of ruining it because you've already given me free, and it's free. Come on now. Have you ever been to those restaurants where they charge you for the chips and salsa? You're like, that ain't right. You, this ain't Mexican. That's not my people. We give stuff. So anyway, and what you do is you sit down. If you're in like me, like chips and salsa, or if they're really good, you get that chips and queso. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like put queso in my face oh right you like just <laughs> this is just good and so you sit down and you eat and I've noticed I've noticed if you're not careful come on if you're not careful you can eat a whole lot of chips and salsa and ruin your meal have you ever done that before anybody ever done that where you, you ate and you ate and then you're just like good and the best places they give you chips until you can't have no more chips right they just keep bringing you never see the bottom of the chip bowl i love that i'm like just keep it coming just i have the the, the flags on green just come on just keep it coming and uh you can ruin your and it, it, what it does to you is it is you're full you can get full but not satisfied. Have you ever noticed that? Like you eat the chicken, you you're full, there's something in your belly, but you, 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 you're not satisfied. Because what happens is you wind up going about 30 minutes later and you want more. Or I'll do, I'll do one even better. Uh, even Italian food is really good like this. Me and my wife went out to dinner the other day. We had a date and went to an Italian restaurant. And the first thing they bring you out, and it's like their version of chips and salsa. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's that Italian bread. And they bring it out, and it's all hot and steamy. It's crusty on the outside, and it's gooey on the inside. And you open it up, and you dip it in the oil and the vinegar with the cheese. And you're just, this is so good. And you haven't even got to your lasagna yet. You're just happy. <laughs> But if you're not careful, what happens? If you're not careful, come on, y'all have done this before. You eat so much bread, you're full. You're full, but you're not, you're not satisfied. Jesus is interesting here. He, he starts to reference it. The first I am statement he has is, is the bread of life. He, 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 he almost points out this issue of being full and not satisfied. That there's a difference. There's a difference in life been being full and being satisfied. And so many of us, even in what he says in John chapter 6, he references this. He, in verse 12, he says, he says, so when you, you came and then you were filled, you were filled. I just performed a miracle and I just did something for you and I just 
showed you how good I was and I just fed you. You were just full and you don't seem to be satisfied. Is that you in here today? Where, where you look at your life and you feel full but not satisfied? Have you been to your closet recently and you opened up your closet and there's clothes from hanger to hanger. In fact, your poor closet hanger bar is hanging on by a thread, right? And it's saying, help me. Because you got so many clothes. You have so many clothes in your drawers. You have so many clothes. You had clothes on the ground, clothes on shelves, clothes everywhere. And you know what? We all do this. You're going to open up. You might have done it this morning. You opened up your closet. You went to it and you said that statement. I have nothing to wear. Or maybe you, you go to your, your, your fridge and you maybe did this this morning. The fridge is full. There's food everywhere. There's food in the cabinets. There's food in the pantry. There's food in the fridge. There's food everywhere. And you on the way to church stopped by Dunkin' Donuts. Come on. You went to Starbucks. You had some. You had coffee at home. Because you said, I'm not going to spend that $17.95 on a cup of coffee at Starbucks anymore. I'm going to buy my own coffee. And you're full but you're not satisfied. And Jesus recognizes, he says, look, if you're not careful, you can get all these things in life and in church and in people and relationships and all this stuff. You can work and you'll be full. It's not bad. Bread's not bad. You know, it's not bad, but you're not going to be satisfied. And if you want to be satisfied, you got to find it in, in, in me. And because it's not that desires are bad. Desire, your, your desire to be full or your desire to have food or your desire to, to get things. That's not bad. It's just that because even when Jesus puts, and when God puts Adam and Eve in the garden in the Genesis chapter 2, he says, eat and be filled. Like, go and do what you need to do. I've given you the desires. God has given you desires. So it's not the desires that are evil inherently. It's how we satisfy them that can actually determine whether or not we're full. Come on. Or we're, we're, we're satisfied because there's a difference. We just, we just talked about it. So, so for us, we need to know what type of bread, spiritually I would say, what type of bread we're consistently consuming so that we live life satisfied and not just full. Amen. That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, if you just look at it from a different angle, you can be full or you can be satisfied and God's desires for you to be satisfied. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you about three types of bread that ultimately won't satisfy you that Jesus highlights in this parable, in this scripture, in this story. He highlights this interaction between him and the church, him and the crowd, him and us. And he says there's three breads that won't satisfy. I'm going to show them to you right here. Number one is this. He says the, the first bread is the, the material bread. This is, this is like, you know, I, and I, I'm articulating it with Wonder Bread. How many of y'all have this in your house right now? Anybody right now? All right, you got some, all right. So you, there's this Wonder Bread. This is, the, this is the consumer mentality. I'm just going to put it right here just so we can kind of see it. This is like the consumer bread. Everybody goes to the, to the store to get this type of bread. I mean, this is the bread that everybody likes because you're blessed with this bread. This is the bread that can go the furthest. You can make peanut butter and jelly out of it. Come on. You can also do, uh, you, you know, French toast out of it. You can make uh, sandwiches with cheese and ham. You can do just about anything with this bread. It's the consumer mentality bread that he was, he was referencing. And this bread says this. These people, this mentality says this. God exists to meet your needs. 
That's what, that's what this bread says. God exists to me. I'll prove it to you. Verse 26, is Jesus answered, very truly I tell you. He said, let me tell you the truth. You're, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed. You, you didn't come for me for me, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. What he was saying was saying, you weren't coming to hang out with me. You didn't cross the, the seed for me. You, you crossed over here not for me. You crossed over for my stuff. You didn't come to church for me. You came to church to get my blessing. You didn't pray to say hi to me. You prayed to ask me for something. You didn't come to me because I was God. You came to me because I was, you know, to me, I'm, I'm just another place you can get another blessing. I'm just another, I'm just consumed. You're just a consumer. You're just looking for the best thing. He said, he said, you didn't, you, I'm not a God. I, I'm a divine vending machine to you. You, you put in your faith quarter. You press E1. I like that blessing, God. That's what your word said. Just ask, right? I'm just going to ask. So I'm going to ask. Every time I talk to you, I'm just going to ask. And because and, you're here for my needs. You're a cosmic therapist. You, 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 when something's wrong, then I can come to you. But if nothing's wrong, why would I come to you? You don't, you don't go to a therapist just to say hi. Or, or he's, he's, come on, he's not your savior. He's your Santa. You give him your list of the stuff you want. And you said, look, I've been a good boy. I've been a good girl. I'm ready for your stuff, Santa, Jesus. And he's saying, if, if you don't get a hold of this right now, you're going to go and look to me for your blessing and it's going to fill you. You're going to eat, but you won't be satisfied. He's not saying, there's nothing wrong with the bread. I like Wonder Bread. There's nothing wrong with going to God for blessing. He said, but if you go to God only for blessing, come on, come on. He, he's, he's, he's trying to highlight something in our consumer-driven mentality that if you go to me only to, for when you feel like you got something out of this, you're going to be full and not satisfied. Is that shopper mentality? Is that shopper idea? What's a shopper? I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, well, you know, I've been shopping churches. And I'm like, oh, really? really and what they were saying and I got what they were saying but what they were really saying without saying it what their heart posture was because what's a shopper shoppers looking for the most valuable item at the cheapest price I'm looking for the most valuable thing and I want to pay the least amount possible there was a story I read the other day and it said a man was deserted on an island for years and he finally gets rescued because a plane flies over and, you know, he has that classic help on the seashore. You know, he made it out of wood and they come down and they save him and they're flying off. And this guy who picked him up, they look down at the island and the island has three huts. And they go, hey, what are those three huts? And the guy who was rescued says, well, those are, those are three huts I built. And they said, what are them for? Why did you need three? He said, well, the first one was my home. I lived in there and it was great and it made it my home and it was awesome. And uh, I said, oh, that's cool. What was that second one, that, that second hut you got there? He goes, well, that's my church. I made a church so I can go every weekend and every Sunday. I counted the seven days and I went to the church and I loved it. And it was awesome. They said, well, what's that third, that third hut right there? What's that one? And he said, oh, that's the, that's the last church. I didn't like it very much. <laughs> that's my first church. I didn't, found a different one. 
church shopping. Interesting. Try, trying to find the most valuable thing at the least amounted cost. Now, how many of us walk into the church? Come on. Let me pastor you here for a minute. I love you. I'll hug you all day long. But this is a moment for all of us. How many times we walk into a church and we go like, well, I'm looking for something that's going to fulfill my needs. God, it's your turn. Come on. Your turn. I'm here for me. I want the most valuable church that's going to cost me the least. I'm going to look for the place that I can be a shopper first and really not be generous. I'm really not going to be, I'm not going to find myself, I'm not going to go to a place that's going to cost me. So you, you want me to serve? Say what? I'm trying to just come into and sit down on the chair. You're lucky I'm here, pastor. You're lucky I'm at this church. God, you're lucky I'm here. I'm here now. I've done it. Woke up. I'm here. I'm sitting. It's time for you to bless me. Let's go. And what's funny about God, I've just, I've just noticed this about him. I've been walking with him for years. God's so good that he's going to bless you. Because he's a God of principle. He's so good that even in your and our, mine, mine, I'm, we're all in this together. Even in our own weird posture of heart that we come to church selfish in nature, he still blesses you. And so we can confuse it because what happens is, is when we get blessed coming in with that mentality, we can be full. Come on, the difference. So you can get blessed coming to church and never giving to the church. I'm not even talking financial. I'm talking to serve. I'm talking to be a part. I'm talking about getting into a small group. All the things that will ultimately benefit you will actually benefit the church as well. But, but when you come and you sit, you can still get blessed and you'll be full, but, but you won't be satisfied. Because you're, you're a consumer first. So he says, don't, don't be that. Don't be, don't be driven by the consumer mentality. The second one was this. He says, he says this, is, this is the ritual bread. And I, I kind of like demonstrate it with Ezekiel. See, ritual, ritual bread, Ezekiel bread. He, 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 this is the religious mentality. This is the I exist. So it's not God exists to meet my needs. This is the other. This is the opposite side. He's, this is I exist to meet God's needs. This is, this is, I'll read it to you. I'll read it. He says, verse 28, then they asked him, they said, okay, so, so, okay, God, you, you're, you're saying don't be a consumer. Okay. So you're not here for me. Okay. But then I'm going to hear, I'm going to be here for you. He they says, then they asked him, what was, must we do to do the works that God requires. Do you, do you hear it? Do you hear the square, hard, cornered edges? The, 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 it, it, there's no movement that it's, it's, have you ever tried Ezekiel? It's not good. You got to do a lot to Ezekiel bread to make it good, right? I always find it funny. I'll talk to like the really healthy people. You need to eat Ezekiel bread. And when they eat it, they put butter and cinnamon and sugar and they're like deep frying it in something because it's not good. Why? It's, it's, it's hard and it's rigid and there's no freedom and there's no, come on, like it's, there's, it's like, it's, yeah, I, I could chip my tooth if I eat it wrong. Do, do you see the, the, the rigidity of the script? What must we do to do the works that God Almighty in heaven, who's waiting with a lightning bolt to hurt me, 
he requires. Oh, God. It's like there's just something like religious about it. This is the I need people. These are the people that say I need to help God love me. Like I need to help God. God, you need help in loving me. These are the religious, super religious rule keepers. Come on, how many of y'all out there are rule keepers? Like rules were meant to be followed. Raise your hand if your rules were meant to be followed. All right, some, some honest people. Anybody else admitting it here? All right, all right, lower your hand. How many of y'all here are rules were meant to be broken? Raise your hand, all right? There you go, all right? All right, it feels good in here, all right? Now y'all know who's, they're the enemy. To both of you, you know? Like you just... You screwed it up. Either one, no matter what side you're on, you both think the other person screwed it up for us. They're the, you know, the rule, they're the rigid rule keepers, the self-righteous. It's not righteousness in God, it's righteousness in you. Because you were good enough. And since you were good enough, now God loves you. And now since now you, now you did all the things right and you followed all the commandments and you did all the things, now you're good because you're self-righteous. And you're, you're guilt-driven. You're fear-driven. If I'm, if I'm not good, then God won't love me. This is the Ten Commandment people. This is the, this is the I grew up like this. I, I grew up in this type of uh, denomination or religious expression of the church. Many people fall away from the church because of, of what we did on the weekends. We, 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 specif- we, we were specialists in making sure you knew you were not good enough. Like, we were good at it. We were good at it. Like, I could highlight every one of your sins. I knew it. I could show you. You want me to show you on a piece of paper? I can show you in all the commandments. There weren't just 10 or 600 and something. It was like, I, mean, I could show you all of them. And we were good at really, like, being the people who, who, who we went to church and we, we, and we prayed and we fasted and we did all the things of God. And hear me now, we, we didn't do them because out of faith. We did them out of fear. We did them because if we didn't do it, then God won't love me. And if we don't do it, we don't follow this list. Come on, church. If we don't follow it, he's going to get me. You ever feel like God's going to get Anybody ever felt like in your life where you felt like God was after you? Come on. Don't we say stuff like that? Your grandmama probably says that to you right now. Well, God's after you. It's like Satan ain't not, he's not only Satan's after you, God's after you. Christianity in that aspect is like a big hunt, like you be hunting by somebody. You're just a deer running in the, in the woods waiting to get shot. No wonder nobody goes to church. Nobody, no wonder nobody wants a relationship with God. I wouldn't want that. It's playing a game you'll never win. And it's interesting, the Ten Commandment people, they're so like, well, you know, if you do this, then God will love you. But if you go back and look, I just challenge you, go back and look at Exodus chapter 20. Uh, don't do it now, but just on your study time, it's my challenge for you. Go back and look at Exodus chapter 20. And, and before, that's where you can find the Ten Commandments. It's the beginning of the, uh, the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. This is the first thing that he does before he gives the commandments. Because again, Religious people, we're talking about the bread that won't satisfy. Religious bread that, that doesn't satisfy. So he says, he goes, in Exodus chapter 20, he says, I'm about to give you some rules. Before he gives, before, everybody say before. This is not after, this is before. Before the rules were given, Jesus, God makes, God makes a statement to Moses. He makes a statement to his people, to who, those who follow him, to his chosen ones. He, he makes a statement to them to establish 
something before he gives the fancy rules that we all need and feel like we need to keep, okay? You ready? This is what he says. He says, he, it's, it, it's a fascinating statement. He says, I am, there's our statement again, because if you understand who God is, you'll understand who you are. This is important. He says, I am the Lord, your God. Pause. We need to stop there. Because a lot of us in church and Christianity, pastors like me, we ruin this. We say and teach scripture and religion and the Bible this way. God will be your God. Maybe he is the Lord. Someone's God. As long as you follow the rules, as long as you do the stuff, then he could be your God. But the Bible's so clear. It's important you understand context and how this came about. God starts off with relationship. God starts off and says, you're mine and I'm yours. Wait, 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 God, I'm not good enough. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Trust me. I see it all. I saw yeah, oh no, I, I saw last night too. Yeah, oh no. I saw. And, and, and guess what? I am the Lord, your God. Hey, then there's these rules. Then there's these ways. Then there's these, these thoughts, these ideas. There's these, the Ten Commandments, if you could ever hear anything, if you checked out and you're like, you know, zoning off, elbow that person, wake up. I want to tell you something. This would be so good for you in your life. This is good for me. This will free you from, from maybe the tyranny of the religious bread. The Ten Commandments weren't given as conditions of relationship. They were given as confirmation. They, they weren't saying, you do this, then you're in. They were saying, what God was saying is, you're in. Now do this. Isn't that good? Come on, that should free somebody in here. Well, you don't feel like you have to get up and do all the things. You got to eat the ritual Ezekiel bread when you know there's other good bread out there, but you got to eat it. And what's funny is, is a lot of people will go to God with this thing like, God, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do all these works and I'm going to clarify all these things. And I want to do all this stuff because if I can do that, then I'm in your kingdom. And then Jesus goes on to say in this story, he actually kind of quotes God. Can I just tell you? He kind of quotes God. Back in Exodus 20, he says in verse 29, he says, the work of God is this, to believe. So they're asking, what do you got to do, God? What do you got to do? I got to do, because you require, and you're mean, and you're ugly, and you're upset all the time, and you're mad, and you're, so what do we got to do so you're not mad at us? And God goes, Jesus says, well, you you just believe. Then they're looking for something else. They're like, okay, but and like, come to church every week, right? And read my Bible and, and, and give money and, and make sure I, 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 I say nice things and don't flip off the person as I'm driving out of the parking lot. <laughs> and he's, he's saying, wait, 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 wait. He said, what do I have to do? Jesus answers. What do you have to do to be, what do you have to do, church? What do you have to do? What do you have to do? Believe, yeah, believe. And that frustrates, you know what that does? That frustrates all the religious people in the world. All the Pharisees get mad at that because there's Pharisees now. You, you don't, I meet them all the time in our church because they come up and they say, that's not good enough. You didn't hear. They're, they're going to get, they're going to sin if they don't, if you don't tell them they must, then they're going to do it. And I said, I can tell them they must and they're going to do it even more. I've been doing this longer, longer than you have. I promise. <laughs> I think I've been pastoring longer than you have. And I've noticed that the more you squeeze people, the more they don't want to be a part of it. And that's why Jesus says, 
Guess what my limit is? Guess what my requirement is? Believe. Believe. Just trust me that God loved you before you ever loved him. And there's nothing wrong inherently with the religion. Don't, don't mishear me. I, religion's not necessarily wrong. Religion's man. The best definition of religion I can give you is man's best attempt to get to God. There's good things inside religion. There's good things. You should come to church. You should pray. You should read your Bible. You should do all those things, but not to earn God's love. God already loved you. You do that because you're a part of the family. It's the same thing of having family rules. I don't give you family rules because you're not in my family. But if you were in my family, there's things we do in our home, isn't it? And when you're in my home, that's it. I don't go up to my sons and go, if you're, if you're going to be in this family, you're going to follow these rules. That's, that's religion. That's, ooh, that's Pharisee talk. You know how they're my sons? Because they're my sons. They're, they're from me. They don't have to prove to me that they're my sons. They're my sons. So for me to tell them to do something to be my sons makes no sense to them. Dad, I am your son. But if you're going to be in our, if you're in our family, since you're, since you're my son, since you're in the family, since you got Grijalva, because Grijalvas are Grijalvas, right? <laughs> since you're my sons, this is how we do things in our house. That's what God's posture is for the Ten Commandments. Religious spread. And the last one is this. He says, he says, um, he said, there's this, there's this idea of spiritual bread. I like these matzo crackers. It's kind of cool. And it's like, uh. I'm going to open it up for you guys. I won't do this in 1115 because these are brand new. But have you ever seen these, these breads before? This is not even real bread. It's more like crackers. And, um, and most scholars believe, you know, the, 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 the um, manna would have been kind of something like this, something a little. It's not, you know, we hear bread a lot. And bread's like, well, we think of bread, we think instantly wonder bread, you know. And, uh, you know, it's kind of got this interesting you know, look and feel to it. And uh, this is the miraculous mentality. This is the spiritual bread. This is, he, he goes out and highlights. He actually spends a lot of time with these people. Uh, probably the most time you see inside of scripture. And this is, this is not, I exist to me, uh, God exists to meet my needs. It's not, I exist to meet God's needs. This is, God exists to meet the church needs. And I'll prove it to you. John chapter six, and I'm wrapping it up. He says, so they asked him in verse 30, what sign? Everybody say sign. This is, this is funny because I, I'm just telling you, I feel this. this is, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? So, he, so Jesus says, just believe. And then they, then they do what we, we all do because we're humans and you, we're all humans. We all do this. He said, okay, well, send me a sign. Do a miracle. They said, what will you do? In verse 31. And then, this is funny because I, I just read the Bible like this. This is funny. He says, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. Amen. In the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. These are the people who are always looking for the miraculous. These are the people who are always looking for the miracle. They're always looking for the, 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 the emotional moment, the, the goosebump feeling. These are the people who, who come into church looking to have a, a, an experience. These are the, 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 the revival chasers. These are the people who walk into our church, and they're none of you, okay? I'll just, so you don't have to feel like it's you, all right? It's not you. <laughs> it could be you, but it's not you. And, 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 and they walk in, and they go, Pastor, when are we going to have revival and see miracles and see manna fall from heaven? Like, Pastor, yeah, we need to have, like, that organ up on the platform. 
You know what I'm saying? We need to be running around the church. Where's a prayer cloth at? I'm trying to do the prayer tunnel. Talk about fire, pastor. We need to have revival. And I always look at them confused. Because I'm like, okay, I know what you're talking about because I grew up in that church. But what you're standing in is the clearest definition of revival you'll ever see. What you're sitting in right now. Talking about miracles. Let me read to you some miracles. We launched this church in October of last year. People walk up to us all the time and go, what? I thought y'all been up for like seven years. I'm dead serious. Pastor Jay, is that not right? Every single time. People are like, what? We launched a church in October. I want to just read this to you. For For those who are looking for the miracle of revival. We've had total attendance since we've gotten here. In our, in our services, 6,300 people since September 30th have walked through our doors. They don't have to come back. They don't have to come see. They don't have to come experience, but they did. We had 390 people last week in our church. That's a miracle. Miracle. Baptized 28 people since we've launched this church. Miracle. Decisions for Christ we've had since we've launched this church. 233. Miracle. Now, no, wait, hold on. Don't, don't clap yet. You're not even there yet. I'm, not, I'm, not. I'm going to make it so hard for you to feel like you could ever walk in this place again and say, I want revival. Okay, hold on. 93 people have completed our next steps class, which means they've taken a step out of this church and from the seat to start walking around. We have about 75 to 80 people who show up every weekend at 7 a.m. Come on, y'all, on a day where they don't get paid and they don't have to work and it's not during the service and they're not going to get in retirement for it. They're not doing They show up for you, so they come on, on, on every single week. We've had 30 people complete our group's training so that when we start our small group season coming up in the next several weeks, which you're going to hear right now is coming up several next several weeks, we'll have at least 11 groups to launch off with our church. Just so you know, this is revival. That God is doing something. These numbers are not normal. You are sitting in the midst of an absolute miracle. And Erica and I, when we came and launched this church, you know how many people we knew? Not two, not one, zero. We need zero people. With a church who is consistently pointing people to one person who can help them. And that's Jesus. They were, they were 24 hours removed, less than 24 hours removed from the greatest miracle that the world had ever seen. As a matter of fact, so he, he feeds them. Then he, with his disciples, he goes and moonwalks like Michael Jackson on water across the, wa- the sea. And then on the other side, the first thing they ask him for is a sign. It's a miracle. Hey, God, by the way, I, I know you're Jesus and all, but Moses, let me tell you what, he had this cool thing called manna, and it would just fall out of the sky. He gave us manna, and then I think Jesus kind of gets irritated with him. That's how I read it. 
he kind of gets irritated because he spends the most time rebuking them. Because he says, this is what he does. He compares and he contrasts manna with him. He says, oh, by the way, manna didn't come from Moses. It came from my father. And I was there because I stood at the right hand of him. It didn't come from him. It came from my dad. And by the way, I'm trying to give you something better than manna. Because this is what he does. He goes, manna met a physical need. They were hungry. That's why they needed it. They felt that they were going to die. So they put manna. So God sends manna. They met a physical need. He said, Jesus, I'm trying to meet a spiritual need. That's better. He said, manna was temporary. If you notice that they could only have it for one day, except for another day where they had it for two because that was the Sabbath. But they could only have it for one day. It was temporary. And every time they tried to keep it from longer than one day, it would spoil and maggots would get inside of it. They couldn't keep it. He said, it's temporary. I'm trying to give you something that's eternal. Me, Jesus, I'm better. He's always better. He said, manna was for one nation, the children of Israel. I'm trying to give something that for all nations, for mankind. I'm better. Jesus is better. Every single time, Jesus wins. Last thing goes, the other one, oh, by the way, it didn't cost God anything. I said, God said, manna, here you go, manna. He said, manna, you, he was the first Moses. You get manna, you get manna. He was, he was the first Oprah. You know how Mo, Oprah would hand out cars? Like, you get a car, you get a, he was the first Oprah. God's going, you you get manna. And then he goes, then he goes, and he go, it cost him nothing, but, but, but check it out. It cost Jesus his life. He said, you could go around if you want, I, I could send manna again if that's what you want because I know that's what you're referencing and you're talking about Moses was some cool guy who brought miracles all the time. How about I just be in your life and I can bring you miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Like, I'll do all that. I'm trying to give you something better than just, than just manna. What he was saying was, in summary, that if you look to Jesus first, you get all of it. He said, you can get the spiritual, the kind of miraculous miracle bread. Because there's nothing wrong with this bread. Miracles are great. We pray for miracles all the time. We've had miracles happen in our church. Miracles are incredible. That's God's stuff. That's God. That's God's doing. God sent the miracle. It's God. That's great. But if you come here just looking for the miraculous, you'll be full but not satisfied. So you could come and you can have your religion. And again, like I said, nothing wrong with Religion in and of itself, inherently, it's not bad. It's just God's, it's our attempt to get to God. So you should pray, you should give, you should do the religious practices. But again, don't do it because you're trying to get to God. God's already to you. So he already loves you. He already has you. He already wants you. You're already in. Or you can also go for God's blessing. I mean, that's great. I mean, awesome. Seriously, it's incredible to have God's blessing. I mean, you, there's nothing wrong with being blessed by God. We, 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 we are, it's an incredible experience to have his blessing, but... If you come to Jesus, you can have all of it. You can have all of it. What he was saying was, he says, trust that I am the bread of life. John chapter 6 and verse 66, he winds up. This is so after this moment, this interaction with his people, he does something interesting. He kind of uh, sabotages his own success. If you go back and read it, I highly encourage you to go back and read it. He winds up saying this statement. He says, he, introduced, uh, he introduces, and we don't know this back then. They didn't know this. We know this now. But he was introducing what we did today, communion. He was introducing communion. And he says this statement. He says, okay, now that I've rebuked three different types of bread people, I'm going to make everyone mad. and just, I'm just going to call it a day. If you want to be my disciples, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Literally, that's what he says. He goes straight up walking dead on him, like just crazy stuff, just weird. 
That's literally what he says. And you know what's funny? Is the Bible says that most people left. It would be a come, it would basically be the 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 moment would be the same thing as if I would walk up here and go, all right, now that I'm done with the message, y'all, I'm going to start cutting some pieces off of me. And if you're going to be at this church, y'all just get in a line. We'll just start taking chunks. Hopefully I'll make it. I mean, that'd freak you out. And what's funny is the disciples come up to him and say the thing that you and I would say to Jesus. Like, if you're his boys, if you're his entourage, if you're like in his security staff, you know, or whatever, you'd walk up to him and be like, hey, Jesus, uh, that's good and all. But this is hard teaching. That's what they say to him. They say, this is hard teaching. <laughs> it's funny, because I would say that. And, uh, and I'm going to read it to you. This is what happens in verse 67. Jesus says, uh, he looks at his 12 that he was closest to, and he says, you don't want to leave too, do you? So you're going to leave like all the other ones? You're going to leave? You're going to leave like, because I made it hard for you. You're going to leave. You're going to leave because you came for the bread of, you know, consumer. You're trying to get my blessing, and I just, just trying to give you me. But you, you're going to leave now? I know you came for the religious, but you, you know, you're used to the four corners, the squareness of, you know, no flexibility. I'm just trying to offer you something better. You sure you don't? You, you don't? They say, are you, what about the manna? Like, you know, I, I, know you, I know you came for the miracle, but I'm trying to offer you something better than the miracle. And so I didn't give you the miracle right now. Are you done too? Are you done too? You've been praying for the miracle. It didn't happen. Are you done? Are you leaving? And then Simon Peter does something funny. You know, as funny as, as Peter is, really, because he's, he's kind of known as the big mouth of the Bible. Anybody else like that? You know, just me? Okay. Uh, and uh, so Peter says something funny. He says, uh, it's very profound. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? He says, where, where are we going? Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words. Come on, what's that? He said, you have the words of eternal life. He said, you are the bread of life. You just said something crazy. I don't fully understand it right now. You didn't do everything I asked you to do. It's starting to get hard. Everybody's left. And I, I don't understand. I want something else. But to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Um, I'm going to read you a story in closing. And... Um, I'm going to ask you a question before I read this story. The story is, the question is, what are you holding on to? What bread are you coming after? After World War II, the number of hungry orphans that filled Europe overwhelmed the Allied troops. The children were placed in camps where they could be well-fed and cared for. Those who were left in charge of the children were surprised to notice that despite their excellent care, listen to this, excellent care, the children were not sleeping well. They were overcome with anxiety and fear. A psychologist finally decided upon a solution and gave each child a piece of bread, listen to this, a piece of bread to hold on to as he or she was put to bed. The result of the experiment was astonishing. There was a drastic change in the children's demeanor, and they went to bed knowing for certain that they would have food for the next day. From that day forward, the children slept in peace. The orphans of World War II were anxious because they had doubted provision. Holding onto a slice of bread as they slept brought peace to their worried souls. So my question to you today is, are you struggling with sleep, anxiety, depression, fear, because you're coming to God trying to get the religion and you're coming to the world and trying to get to the manna and you're trying to get to the, to the blessing and all that stuff of God and, and you're coming to, and you and I sometimes, you know, you pray and you don't seem to get these things sometimes. 
and you're confused because you're like, God, I thought you were good. If you hold on to Jesus, the bread of life, you get all of it. And I would go to say that some of us don't sleep well enough because you're not holding on to the right type of bread. You could be holding on to the miracles. You could be holding on to the religion. You could be holding on to the blessing. But if you hold on to Jesus, you get all of it. The reason he said he was the bread of life is because everything you want in this life is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life.